When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I love when Sam Sifton visits. Sam is an assistant managing editor of the New York Times, and under his large umbrella is culture lifestyle coverage, and he is the founding editor of New York Times Cooking. And guys, that is like my Bible. I use it all the time. My daughter just came up with some kind of pumpkin chocolate chip thing that was so incredible, and she said, it was from the New York Times. And the best recipes, I love it. And Sam has been food editor, culture editor, national editor, a columnist. He worked as a restaurant critic. You've worn so many hats, and yet you never got a big head. You always came back to the real world. I guess I just can't keep a job, Joan. I just keep (laughs) moving around the newsroom looking for a perch. And there you got it. And... You know, we were talking, uh, my producer is young, and she lives herself in an apartment in Manhattan, and she was saying that once the weather changes, she suddenly gets this urge to cook. Even if she's alone and doesn't have company for a dinner, she just feels like going to the market, going home, and making something really delicious. And you were talking about how it changes. You love weather days, and you just like the feeling of them. It's so terrific. You know, I'm running around all week at work doing stuff. On the weekends, I like to get outside. I I go fishing. I do all this stuff. And then the weather comes in, and it pours in, and it's windy and cold and rainy. And all I want to do is get to the stove and and make something delicious, something that makes the house smell divine, something that offers sustenance to myself, to my family. I I think I'd do it alone, just like your producer does, if there was no one around. There's just something meditative about cooking when the weather is bad and something helpful to the spirit in doing so. I know. I love it, too, and I love making big soups, and especially if it's a rainy day, and I love the way the kitchen smells. You know, it's like, welcome, come on in, sit down, the soup's on. Exactly, and, and we haven't been able to do that for a couple of years because of the pandemic. And throwing open right. the doors on the weekend to, to friends and relatives and people just in the neighborhood is just a great joy. I'm glad to be back doing it again. I know, and I love, and I don't remember when it came out, but I'm a big fan of Asian food, and I've always loved shrimp toast. And you had the easiest recipe that I've ever seen. Do you remember that? You pureed the shrimp with scallions and made a paste? Yeah, it's a very, very simple recipe. Um, You just do that, you know, do exactly what you said. You get an egg white in there to bind everything together. And then you kind of make a sandwich out of it with some white sandwich bread, fry that, 
hit it with some sesame seeds, and it's like you're at a dim sum palace. It's 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 just great. It's a it sounds classic. Of and what kind of oil dish. do you fry it um, in? I I I use a neutral oil, something that has a kind of high smoke point. You wouldn't want to use olive oil. You'd want to use like canola um, or peanut something that um, has a high smoke point and won't burn in the pan when, when you're doing the frying. Yeah, and it just, it just sounds so delicious. And what I find amazing is that you guys are there if people have trouble, and the recipes are really very easy to follow. I hate when there are two-page recipes, you know, and no. you're lugging something in the kitchen. It just doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I think my days of project cooking and 14-page recipes are, are, are long gone. We like to keep it as simple and actionable as possible, and we have an incredible community of subscribers who leave notes on the recipes that I think improve them and help others get great results if they don't happen to have one ingredient or another. It's very, very supportive at New York Times Cooking. And I hope we're delivering a positive experience to everyone who subscribes. No, it's fabulous. And I saved that recipe for, they were, I think they were, they sort of look like meatballs that you made out of ricotta and used a tomato sauce that had a lot of basil. That's a terrific recipe as well. Um, and you can, you know, you can fill it out a little bit with pork uh, if you like. Um, you know, but I go pretty heavy on the ricotta and try and like get it to be light and fluffy. It's almost like, uh, it's like eating a cloud. Mm. And does your family eat a lot of fish? Uh, we do eat a lot of fish, particularly, uh, in, in, well, I was going to say particularly in the summer months, but I really, because we eat a lot of clams in the summer. Um, but the truth is, it's it's kind of kind of year round. I was really lucky this summer, Joan. I have a lot of friends who were out tuna fishing, and I got a lot of tuna this summer. So we were eating a lot of um, poke, the Hawaiian raw fish specialty, um, but also you know just plain raw fish for sashimi. I was making teriyaki tuna. I was we love to get some. <laughs> Free fish from friends. I know it well, and you know that when you have caught it yourself, that you can eat that. I sometimes wonder, even buying from good fish stores, whether we should be eating it raw, because I always picture it staying there maybe a day too long. Yeah, you can you can tell a lot with your nose. You can you can smell and touch and feel, but I think the most important relationship to have maybe in all of our uh, purchasing of food is with the fishmonger. If you trust your fishmonger, uh, you're going to get fresh fish. And, and the best fishmongers are the one who, ones who move a lot of fish who are really busy. Um, that way that fish isn't sitting around. It's come off the boat. Now, I want to be clear about something. Most of the fish that we eat is a little older than you think. It's exactly. been caught, it's been iced, it's in some cases been flash frozen, and that's okay if it's treated correctly and allowed to thaw correctly so that it's not shocked or flabby, you're getting a really good experience uh, on the mouth. 
Yeah, well, that sounds good. And we had mahi-mahi recently, and that was a fish that I very rarely bought. But they, uh, the fishermen said the water was too rough. They couldn't get bass or, you know, other things that I had asked for. But they had mahi-mahi, and it was delicious. Mahi is a delicious, delicious fish. Um, can be very mild and, and yet meaty. Um, and, uh, there's, I, I love a mahi mahi. It's not, you know, it's not a fish that we often get in Northeastern waters. Um, recreational anglers get it off shore, but sometimes we see it come into the market and it's a good idea to pounce, get out of your comfort zone. Don't just eat the bath. Can you believe, I mean, we're sitting and talking about weather change, about things we love, but, and I am talking to Sam Sifton who is with the New York Times. But before you know it, we're going to be talking about that old turkey again. And I was told that it's t- going to be tough getting turkeys. Yeah, I, I've heard that as well. But, you know, I'm I, I, I'm a little, um, I don't necessarily trust that. I, I talked to a turkey farmer out on Long Island from whom I get birds every year. And they had slowed production a little bit during the pandemic, but they're coming on strong right now. They've got a big field full of toms strutting around. And I'm hoping, because as you know, Joan, I love Thanksgiving and I love roasting turkeys. I'm really looking forward to that part of the fall coming. I know. I actually love that, too. And one of our relatives is making a movie on a Caribbean island and he said that one of the pluses is it uh, there is a cook, like on every movie set or someone doing food, and that when she does poultry, she makes holes all over the chicken or the turkey and puts this spread, which is garlic and rosemary, you know, everything you can think of in all the little holes all over the bird and lets it marinate. And he said it was so delicious and tasty. Oh, that's great. That sounds fantastic. That sounds fantastic. I I remember a turkey recipe that I still love that involves putting an enormous amount of butter both on the bird and under the bird's skin and then supplementing that with herbs and showers of salt and pepper. And that that makes for an ambrosial turkey, and I imagine would work very well on chicken as well. Yeah, no, that that really sounds delicious. Do you have regular meals? Like when I was growing up, we had certain things on certain days. It wasn't a lot of improvisation. It was Friday was roast chicken night or rib roast night, but it was consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I wrote a book about this called See You on Sunday, which was all about what I consider to be the important uh, gathering, weekly gathering of friends and family. And I would like to think that I'm providing, you know, different meals at different times of the year. But, you know, it comes back again and again to, should I do a Sunday roast? Should I do a Sunday chili? Should I do a Sunday sauce in the Italian-American tradition? And these three or four different recipes become a kind of drumbeat to, to the year that allow me, a person who hawks recipes for a living, a person who's constantly developing new recipes, to go back to favorites that I know will please 
my family, that I know will please my friends, that will provide a kind of signpost to a week or a month or a season. And I take some comfort in that. That's how we get to be much better cooks, after all, is repeating a recipe on a steady cadence until it becomes our own. Right. And I know that whenever I would ask my mother for a recipe, and she loved to cook and was a wonderful cook and cooked for the big family all the time, she would say, I don't know, I just do a little of this, a little of that. She would yeah, never mothers. really give me a recipe. You got to watch mothers like a hawk, Joan. They, <laughs> they're amazing cooks, but they, they're not going to give up their recipes because they cook instinctually. So you got to watch them. And I think, you know, I think this is an incredibly important thing to do in, in families that love food, to document what the, what the elders um, are bringing to the table so that we can, in turn, take those recipes and perfect them and, and make them our own. They won't be the same as your mother's, never, but they may be delicious in their own way. I and know. Finding that deliciousness is really great. You know, there's your new cookbook. My mother's secret recipe. That's right. I can and get everyone's recipes because we all love that. that you know, and it's I'll... persistence of memory. Yeah. Well, it sounds like I'm going to have to come to your kitchen and, and cook with Joan Hamburg, America's mom, and figure out the secrets of your kitchen. Yeah, I would lo I'd love that. You come over anytime. And <laughs> I know my stove talks to me. And, you know, it's such an interesting thing because I grew up with a ton of relatives, cousins, grandfather, whole kit and caboodle. And I was used to 10 people, 15, whatever, for supper. So even if I'm here alone, I have to do a meal. You know, it just doesn't feel right unless there's something in the oven or I'm thinking about what to make. It's almost too much. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the life we have chosen, John. We, we got to cook because we, it makes us feel better and it makes others feel better. And when we don't do it, there's an absence in our, our lives. And you feel a little weird eating that takeout food. I'm not a takeout food guy, even though I love takeout food. I want to be cooking. Right. And you want to make it. And I feel the same way because when I'm cooking, even if it's just me, it brings back all the family, all the meals, and it brings back a different time. And that's what the joy of sitting down. I have a dining room in a very old building, and people say, I can't believe you eat in that old dining room. I mean, who has a dining room? I said, it's, <laughs> I love eating in my dining room. It makes Absolutely. me feel special, huh? Yes. I mean, this is, you know, this goes to an argument that I've been making for years that food is culture, that it is a representation of who we are and where we came from and where we're going. And that culture needs a stage. And, and that stage may well be your dining room table. For others, it could be, uh, you know, a stool in the, in, in the kitchen. But I love the formality of, uh, of, a, of a set table of cloth napkins. Of, I know, of I love cloth napkins. Yeah, it's great. And it's uh, all you do is stick them in the washing machine, or if you don't have a washing machine, just put them in a bowl of soap and water, and that's it. 
There you go. And anyway, what are you going to cook uh, for the weekends? Anything well, new and special? I'm very excited this weekend to be heading to the New York Times Food Festival at Damrosh Park in, oh, in right. Lincoln Center on, on Saturday, where I'll be talking with the cast and crew of FX's The Bear, that great restaurant show that we all, many of us watched over the course of the fall, and um, to tasting some good food there, and then heading home in exhaustion to, I don't know, Maybe I've been cooking a lot, Joan, with, with boneless, uh, skinless chicken thighs and making some kind of sauce or marinade and then just crisping them up in a hot pan and serving them on warm tortillas or over rice. And that's that's been my sort of go-to over the course of the last couple months. That sounds really good. And now that the last of the tomatoes are still clinging to the farm stands... What could be better on really good white bread than oh a, tomato a tomato mayonnaise sandwich? sandwich? It's it's one of the perfect sandwiches on earth. I tried to improve upon it last weekend with some beautiful late season tomatoes by making I cooked a I cooked a white pizza, a pizza with ricotta and mozzarella and some grated garlic on top and I got it bubbling, bubbling, mm. bubbling hot and charred around the edges. And then I planked raw beefsteak tomatoes from the farm stand onto the pizza without cooking them onto the hot pizza and hit it with a spray of salt. And it was like a bruschetta crossed with pizza and was one of the most delicious things I ate this summer. Oh, my Even gosh, that sounds fun. we want to move into your house. <laughs> it sounds one. really delicious. But you know what? It's because you make food. So much a part of our lives. It's more than eating. It's the family. It's your friends. It's your world. And that's what it brings back every time we turn right in the kitchen and look at those pots that are empty and know it's your turn to do something delicious with them. Well, thank you. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Thank you, Sam. Love talking to you. And we'll talk again. Likewise, and talk to you soon.